I'm going to go Braden Fisk. I think he's one that's going to be that, – that should be talked about a lot more. And if people go back, we actually got to watch some film uh, the other night. I did that with Brian Stork and just going off of what he was telling me, and I listened to him most certainly quite a bit and getting his analysis. He's extremely excited about Braden Fisk. He thinks that he's going to change a lot of things for what Florida State's going to be able to do to provide pressure. And I can't imagine lining him up against Fabo. I, I really can't. I, I really don't know what offensive lineman and the interior, just looking at the ACC, uh, even LSU, like what they're going to be able to do to combat that. But that's the that's the emphasis. That's what Braden Fisk is able to bring to this defensive line. And I think it's going to be brutal for some of these offensive lines. Hey guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Dose. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, a.k.a. E-Dub in the house. You know, we're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go live, go Nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, go Nose. This is Terrell Fuckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Deion Primetime Sanders. The great Deion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I, I could wake up to that greedy every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spears, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go no. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What's happening, guys? This is Logan Robinson from Here the Spirit, presented to you by NoelGamedy.com. We are here live on a fantastic Wednesday evening. It's a bit of a slower week. We are definitely in May. We've had a busy offseason so far, but this is our first one where it's a little drier than usual. But that's fine. We found some topics. We've got a little bit of a Q&A that we're going to go through, but it won't be a long podcast this week. With me this evening, though, is Austin Vizi, our lead back. Ball writer at nolgamedy.com and down below is our editor in chief dustin lewis gentlemen welcome to the dry and boring period of the offseason how are we doing doing great you know this is the the perfect way to kind of kick off the summer this is how you know we're we're in the dead zone but after this it just gradually rises until we finally get to a football season yeah the, the dead season took a little longer than normal uh this offseason felt like we just had week after week after news. We thought we were going to have a slow week last week. And then between ACC spring meetings and everything else, it ended up being a really busy week. And finally, we've hit it. Finally, we've hit the slow period. Yeah, last week we had Keon Coleman picking Florida State and then also had Destin Hill officially getting onto the roster, all the ACC drama going on. So this offseason is starting to finally, though, hit its boring part which is fine that's okay we've just got to start bringing on some guests for you guys so that's something that we're going to work on throughout the rest of this off season really until we get to fall camp i know we got some recruiting stuff coming up soon dustin that's not until we get into june but uh you'll have a busy couple of weekends outside the moor and that hot heat and also rain and thunderstorms thanks for reminding me of the potential inclement weather that's that's what i'm looking forward to the most he's, he's looking forward yeah. to not having power for about six hours as soon as a drop as soon as a drop of rain as soon as the clouds think about dropping rain my power is like eh, 
you're not coming back on the rest of the day. I, I think anybody that has lived in Tallahassee will fully understand you on that as it's I worse did for 25 years. I, whatever grid they put me on on this last move, it's worse over here. I mean, you start to even just – if you think about it, if you think it's going to – if you just think about during the day, like, is it going to rain today? Power just shuts off. It's getting kind of ridiculous. <laughs> I think about it's probably went out like nine times in the last five days. You have texted us in the Discord saying that your power has gone out at least like 10 times in the last two weeks. So I Man. fully believe you on that. I'm not even making excuses not to do work. I'm just getting screwed over. Yeah, yeah, that's a valid, valid, valid excuse. Unless we can send you to a McDonald's, they have Wi-Fi there, free Wi-Fi. Um, I don't know if you've ever thought about setting up shop there for a day and uh, getting after it. I have standards. I'd go to Whataburger. Oh, yeah. Now, did they offer free Wi-Fi? That's the real question. If they offered free Wi-Fi, then I actually don't think you would leave Whataburger. I think you might be there. Breakfast, lunch, dinner. I'll have to Could check that out next time I drive by that fine establishment. If they had a shower there, he, he could he could make it work. I mean, you just go to the sink, you know, splash your face a couple of times. You're good for four days. <laughs> oh God, okay, four days. Four crazy. Days. Damn. Damn, four days. <laughs> well, before we get into this crazy, fully detailed, topic-filled podcast, make sure you guys are following us on Twitter at Noel Game Day. We can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. We've seen a lot of numbers go up there to our podcast listeners. So appreciate everybody subscribing on those and listening in with us from wherever you're at, at the gym, car, in the shower. A little bit weird if you're in the shower listening to us. But you know what? I also listen to podcasts in the shower, so I wouldn't blame you too much. But listening to us, though, kind of weirds me out a tad bit. So shout out to our shower listeners. But uh, let's jump into a few quick hitters, and then we'll get into this Q&A and get you guys out of here. Uh, Florida State, per a report from On3 and Matt Zenitz, the Seminoles, Mike Norvell, have hired a veteran NFL assistant, Anthony Midget, to an off-field role. Uh, Midget, a Florida native and former Virginia Tech All-American defensive back, previously worked in college as a DB coach at Penn State and D.C. at Georgia State. Also spent some time with the Tennessee Titans on the NFL side. I know we've been working to try to confirm this report and everything, but most likely will end up becoming true. But once again, Florida State making a move off the field and trying to enhance their off-the-field staff. Yeah, it sounds like this is uh, progressing towards being finalized. You know, hopefully in the next week or so, this one becomes official from the Florida State side of things. But like you said, bringing in another another guy with NFL experience and Florida State has obviously put a premium on that this offseason, you know, hiring Patrick Sertan from the Miami Dolphins and now reaching back up to the professional ranks to – and Anthony Midget. I know you mentioned the Titans. I don't know if you mentioned that he also spent six seasons with the Houston Texans as well. So, I mean, this is a guy coming off nearly a decade straight um, at the professional level, has obviously earned a lot of experience at, at the highest level of football, um, was let go by the Titans following the 2022 season. So this would be kind of a bounce back opportunity for him if just, you know, it's not finalized yet, but just guessing. I'm, I'm assuming that he's going to be taking over a, a senior defensive analyst role Florida State actually had. Uh, we mentioned it back in the spring. 
former senior defensive analyst Cortez Carter, who spent some time working with DBs and linebackers during his time at uh, Florida State, ended up taking an on-field position, I believe the linebackers coach job over there at uh, Louisiana Tech a couple of months ago. So, I mean, he'll essentially be filling that spot that that was lost back in uh, the spring. And, you know, we'll see how it goes. Florida State obviously putting a real premium on on these off-field hires, trying to grab guys that either have NFL experience or have been head coaches, even position coaches at the FBS level. You know, you think about Tony Tokars and Randy Shannon, both started their time at Florida State in off-the-field roles before eventually being promoted. So, I mean, it's obviously something that Mike Norvell thinks about a lot. Yeah, and honestly, some, some sneaky jobs in here. He spent one season at Penn State as their safeties coach, a year where they had Adrian Amos, who's become a very good NFL safety. And then he was a defensive coordinator for Georgia State for one season. I'm not saying that's a big-time job, but someone with defensive coordinator experience as an analyst role is not something you can go wrong with. And even more interesting, I don't know if you guys dug into this at all, but he uh, he actually played at Virginia Tech during his college days, and the final game of his college career was against Florida State and the national championship. Wow. Okay. So that classic Michael Vick versus Florida State game where the Seminoles obviously came out on top. Peter Warwick had uh, some crazy catches. And I mean, that from there on, he ended up going to, to play in the NFL for a couple of years for kicking off his coaching career. But just a little nugget. Just some nuggets from Anthony Midget. Nothing like some good nuggets there. Um, I'm just going through, and there's a question here from Tom from Facebook asking about, does he have any ties to Pat Sertan? And I'm trying to look through some things here and try to see if there is. I'm sure they most likely know of one another, but specifically if there is any kind of bond there between those two. I'm entirely sure, but I honestly – he. Trying to find some things here, but that's a good question. But I would imagine they do know of one another. Wouldn't it be a shocker there whatsoever? Yeah, you would think through NFL coaching circles, they probably cross paths or, like you said, at the very least, know of one another. 100%. Absolutely. Uh, let's jump into this ACC revenue sharing situation. Pretty. <laughs> the ACC trying to save themselves here, it feels like, but the ACC board of directors announces an endorsement of success incentives, which basically just summarized, not going to spend a whole ton of time here because not a whole lot of detail, honestly, but the ACC has looked wanting to uh, give incentives to teams that are doing good inside the ACC, making a postseason run specifically like the ACC in March Madness, teams making it there, and then also a team making it to a worthy bowl game like a New Year's Six or going to ACC championship even or maybe going into a college football playoff and then, of course, a national championship. Those teams that earn that and get to those links of the postseason will receive a extra share of the revenue from the ACC. It's almost to me, I was talking about this with Mark Rogers on his show a little bit ago, but it's just basically, you know, the ACC trying to find different ways to keep, I think ACC teams 
entertain inside the conference instead of them going out and, you know, listening to these other conferences that are making more money and bringing in more revenue share. But, you know, when you've got a team like Florida State, Miami and Clemson, those two, those three top teams that are looking to bring in more revenue because of their brands and the TV ratings that they bring in yearly that are way ahead of the other ACC teams below them, you know, you've got to try to keep those guys in the mix. And this is specifically looking at maybe Florida State and Clemson out of all of them. But what were y'all's thoughts on this? I know it's not too deeply detailed, and this is more of a 2024, 2025 thing. But to me, it's just like about time, but I don't think that's going to help you too much. Yeah, I, I just don't really think it moves the needle very much. I mean, that's not that's still not going to get ACC teams uh, close to what the SEC and Big Ten are supposed to be raking in annually um, here in the near future once those uh, conference uh, expansions are made. So, I mean, I, I still don't really think it does much. Florida State, they've obviously talked with the ACC and, and you know, during those spring meetings last week, trying to get that unequal revenue sharing um, idea on the table. So, like you said, it's a step kind of in the right di- direction, but at the same time, it doesn't do a whole lot. And, you know, it's really for the top teams in the conference uh, across multiple sports, not just college football, that are competing for conference championships and postseason appearances. So, I mean, it could pay off, but, yeah, I'm um, – don't think it's going to do a whole bunch in the end. I mean, a nice little gesture from the ACC, but. As, as Morgan Wallen once said, it's like trying to put a bandaid on a bullet hole. That's how I see it. <laughs> like there's such a huge problem. They're like, Hey, here's a couple of dollars for, for making the ACC championship game. Um, to, to me, if you're going to do the unequal revenue share, and it's got to be based on how, like how much viewership you're pulling into the ACC. Like congrats. If you're like, let's say somehow it's Pitt and Syracuse that make the ACC championship games. No one's watching it. So why are we rewarding it? It's one of those. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It, it's just, it's a whole different kind of conversation and this is something that they're just trying to add in, but you know, Clemson and Miami and definitely Florida state, those guys are bringing in numbers and Florida state, even when they were down, were bringing in, a uh, great number of, of viewership and ratings. But when you're looking at some of these smaller teams in the conference and they're not doing the same, but then you're going to share the same revenue with them. It just doesn't make sense. And certainly whenever Florida state and Clemson and Michael Alfred are looking at what other teams in the big 10 are bringing in, you know, that's fine. You can do these little tidbit things and whatnot, but I know the ACC understands that's not going to cut it. That's, that's cute and all, but Really, the only teams inside the ACC, and I, I got—I would imagine some of these other teams, the lower, the lower ranked teams, definitely on the football side, are looking at this and like, what is this going to do for me? When am I going to ever make it to the college football playoff? When am I going to make the ACC championship? Cool, it can maybe, you know, put some fire under me to, you know, go further and perform better this upcoming season or the next season. But still, you know, this only really affects your top couple of teams in the ACC. It's not helping out some of the smaller ones. And you're also not fully pleasing Florida State or Clemson or Miami. So really, really, this only helps Florida State and Clemson because Miami's not making an ACC championship. No. Yeah. Yeah. It, it might hold off the dogs in the short term, but I mean, very soon, you know, we'll be back to 
the same point that we were last week with the reports coming out about the Magnificent Seven and ACC schools are exploring different ways to circumvent the the grant of rights to potentially leave the conference. I mean, we'll we'll get back to it here shortly. <laughs> yeah, we will. It's always the spring meetings and we talk about it for a little bit and then nothing happens. But, you know, going off of Alfred, he, he's a guy that likes to make things happen. And we know from report that we put out last year that those talks are deeply happening. And there's a reason why Alfred has built a team around him to figure out this grant of rights situation and how to get out of it. And that's not just Florida State and Alfred. You know, Clemson is heavily involved with that, too, with their hands all in, as they should be. Um, but, you know, just off of the top team in the ACC viewership ratings wise and everything, that is still Florida State. Clemson had its run. It does. It, it did well. It made it to these national championships and college football playoffs. But when you look at the numbers and what Florida State was doing when they were down in their years, it's not even close in brand awareness and how it is in Tallahassee. So, um, you know, Florida State still has that edge and they get to say what they want to say, but they're also tied in, which which sucks. And, you know, uh, We've already discussed this quite a bit of the contract and what, what in the hell they put themselves into. But uh, they're, they're, their hands are kind of tied in some ways, but they're, they're trying to figure a way out. We'll see what ends up happening, though. But this is not anything. This, this is just – that did nothing for me today. I, I, nothing. I'm sorry, but that's whatever. Cool. Awesome. Good idea. That, that, that's exactly what I would think Alfred should be saying. Cute. Cute idea. Uh, let's jump into some Q&A. So we went inside of our Discord and had quite a few of our users go in and give us some topics or questions that we want to cover both football and basketball. So thought we'd run through these to go through the rest of this podcast this evening, gentlemen. Let's start off on the football side and I want to start off with some position group stuff here. This is from our guy, Hopeful, be from the 507 on Discord, asking which positions have you have you the most concerned heading into summer or fall position? And we've deeply talked about this one last week, but which ones, you know, might concern you going into this fall camp, d -Lou? I think it's obvious. I mean, the number one for me is clearly safety. Um, with Jamie Robinson moving on with all the losses that FSU has had in the portal, I mean, now you're just extremely thin in the back end. You've, you've got Akeem Dent. You've got Shaheem Brown, who have some playing experience. But, I mean, behind them, you're pretty thin. You, you added Ashlyn Barker to the fold last week, a junior college prospect who redshirted last season and be coming in with four years of eligibility to play. K.J. Kirkland was here and – able to go through spring practices and showed some real promise, but obviously wasn't available to play during the spring showcase. And then you've got the really highly touted safety comrade Hussey, who, you know, committed to Florida state back during uh, the, the signing period over Miami and, and obviously flipped that commitment from Penn state to come to FSU. So, I mean, there's some talent there, but there's just not a ton of experience and there's some worries as a keem dent. I think we talked about a little bit last week. He's going to be able to make it through, the whole season, you know, coming off a banged up campaign is Shaheem Brown going to consistently take that next step, you know, on a roster that has really improved what it's going to field probably at cornerback. Now you've really got to worry about that back end and some, some really strong passing attacks on the schedule that are going to test those guys back there. 
Yeah, we talked about it at length last week. Just Florida State has to find find a way to add another safety to this roster. Just just to go a little bit outside of that, since that's kind of all we talked about last week. I, I think kickers up there as well. Ryan Fitzgerald struggled a lot last season. He's just sixty five percent for his career. I know you're bringing in Tyler Keltner from East Tennessee State, but from from what Dustin's been telling us this offseason, the, the reviews haven't been exactly glowing there. And it's it's one of those that we saw it in the NC State game that if Norvell can't exactly trust his kicker, you know, how, it really impacts how the game can go and it might cost you a win. It's that's something that's got to get figured out for sure. Mm, got to build some consistency there, and that just hasn't been the case the last couple of years in the kicker position. So. Yeah, that, I, I agree with both of y'all on those. Um, you know, we talked about linebacker a little bit last last week, but not too heavily concerned outside of those two first. Um, I'm just hoping that Omar Graham Jr. is able to make that next step, and I do think he does. He's a player that looked good in the spring, Dustin, really impressive in size, and one of the smartest. We were told his freshman year how smart he was, intelligent, was able to get down the playbook, and that's why he was able to see a little bit of burn kind of early on, but not a whole ton of full-on game experience, but wanting to see him take that next step, and that would give me a lot of answers, a lot better a lot better of a feeling for that linebacker group, just in case someone were to go down or you got a second guy going down, then you're kind of at a bigger, way bigger concern for sure. And a linebacker group is a physical position. So you, you got to hopefully keep those guys healthy, but having Omar Graham Jr. Take that next step is something that I do want to see out of them to help me feel a little bit better going into this fall camp. It would be huge. I mean, obviously he's uh, expected to move into that fourth spot in the rotation that was manned by Brendan Gant before he decided to transfer to Colorado. So in the end, you're you're probably thinking he's not going to get a ton of snaps per game if, if everything plays out ideally. I mean, last year, Tatum Bethune, Kellen Deloach, and DJ Lundy soaked up the majority of snaps. Um, you know, they were able to stay relatively healthy and in the lineup throughout the season. So that kind of prevented Gant from getting in, into that mix a ton. Um, I think it would – be good for Florida State if something similar happens this season. You know, it'd be nice to have Omar Graham fill in in, in a spot every now and then. But with those three guys at the top that have so much experience and talent and can do what Florida State is asking of them to do in that defensive scheme and in that four-two-five, I, I think that would be the best option for FSU. But I mean, I am expecting to see some signs from Omar, and you know, he he really looked good during the spring for sure. We'll see if it translates over to actual game scenarios. That's the next step. Blake Nicholson kind of is a player that isn't talked about a lot because he's far off in the West Coast, but he also wasn't an early enrollee. That's one player that I'd like to kind of keep a close eye on, Dilu, whenever we get into camp and, and see how he develops too. Going to be a guy that hasn't had any experience on the college level, but Florida State was heavily after him and his recruitment, and they did a really good job there of sticking with him and obviously getting the commitment and the signing. He's one that I don't think can make an immediate impact right away, but just to watch him develop and be a player that Florida State is going to be able to utilize the next couple of years is going to be huge. But uh, an immediate impact kind of guy isn't, isn't going to be the case, I don't think, as in where we're going to see Omar Graham Jr. take that step and see some playing time in 2023. I agree. Yeah, he's got some he's got some real potential, but I mean just when you look at the way that linebacker room is set up and the fact that in most situations you've only got two of them on the field, gonna be a little tough for a guy who wasn't here for spring ball to 
get into that rotation. You know, arguably DeMarco Ward, the true freshman linebacker who was able to go through those spring practices and, I mean, flashed at times. You got to think he's a little bit ahead of Nicholson, uh, you know, going into the summer here. But at the same time, I mean, this was a kid who was extremely talented at the high school level, played on both sides of the ball, um, very athletic, and, you know, has a lot of interesting qualities. So, We'll see with him, and also you've got Dylan Brown-Turner, a uh, three-star linebacker that Florida State was able to land late there um, in, in the signing period. So bringing adding those guys and hitting the mix, and you know, especially with them getting a chance to learn behind um, Bethune and Deloach and also Lundy, who's been here for a long time as well, I think that'll help them out moving forward, but just not expecting a ton out of them in 2023 necessarily. So our next question here from Discord this one's from Logan Robinson. Uh, he's asking top five toughest games for Florida State this top upcoming five. season for the Seminoles. Oh yeah, got to keep it on the edge. Got to make it some kind of entertaining. It's been a little bit of a slower week, so got to trick around and mess with you guys. But top five toughest games for Mike Norvell and Florida State, as we know, the Seminoles are going to be kicking off in Orlando at a neutral site against LSU. Looking forward to that being probably a top ten matchup. And then after that, you know, you look at it not much longer away or uh, late September, Florida State's going to be facing Clemson in Death Valley. Had a close game last year. Uh, Virginia Tech's going to be coming to Florida State. Duke will also be coming to Florida State. Um, and Miami will also be coming to Florida State. And then at the end of the season, they'll be going to the Gators. But anybody else kind of stand out? I know we've got Pittsburgh in there as well on the road. In November, a chilly, chilly game there for the Seminoles. But which five maybe stand out to you that are going to be the toughest this 2023 year? Yeah, you already, I mean, you already named really the top three. And I mean, you can kind of flip the order between LSU and Clemson. But I mean, those are kind of the toughest for me. And then number three is also obvious, in my opinion, that's Duke. I, I really think that. Duke could present a challenge uh, with their quarterback comeback last year and, and obviously with the coaching change and the, the success that they were able to field a season ago. And then, I mean, after that, it, it gets a little bit tough. You know, it feels a little key, a little cliche maybe to roll with a Miami team that Florida State dominated last year or, I mean, even Florida with the losses that they, that they had this offseason and Florida State obviously – breaking that losing streak. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Pittsburgh just because it comes in November. You really have no idea what the weather could be at that point. And I mean, even on a quote unquote down season for Pittsburgh, they always play up to their opponent whenever they have someone like Florida state, who you would imagine is going to be ranked that late in the season going in there. They were able to pull off an upset last year at home over a ranked opponent. So, I mean, that's one to watch out for. And then I think the other one for me is, uh, Wake Forest, just because Florida State hasn't won there since uh, 2017, I believe, back when Jimbo Fisher was the head coach and true freshman James Blackman was thrown out there on the field. And it's, it's just Wake Forest has been a team that Florida State has struggled with during Mike Norvell's tenure. You had the last time you went there, Florida State got blew out, what, 35 to 14 by Wake Forest in 2021. And then, you know, they came in last year and beat Florida State. Won't have Sam Hartman this time around, and, you know, that could even make it a little bit of a, of a trap game. They've lost a ton of their their seniority. Like, that, that was a really experienced team last year. That 
they're, they're losing a lot of that, like a guy like A.T. Perry uh, on the outside as a wide receiver. But like you said, it's a place Florida State hasn't played well the last, you know, half decade, and Florida State's got to step up for that game. I don't really disagree. I think you have to mention the Florida game because who really knows what Florida's going to look like by that point. Mm-hmm. You know, if things haven't fallen off the rails, then, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's a tough game. But who really knows? Definitely LSU, definitely Clemson. Then after that's really whoever you want to pick. I agree with Pitt and Wake Forest. That fifth game, I, I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, you don't know, like Duke in there? I'm kind of agreeing with the comments. I think they're a little overhyped. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do this season with a little more expectations this season. Um, we'll see. With that being Florida State's homecoming, I, th- I think it kind of eases my concerns a little bit. I don't know why. I've just always felt that Florida State plays well in homecoming. That might be wrong. It's just something I've always felt like. And Florida State has obviously never lost to Duke in football. So Yeah, so it, it's one of those things that doesn't really concern Knock me. On wood. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Um, Make sure we knock, knock on some wood there. That would be yeah, detrimental yeah, here at the very yeah. end. Duke slips in out of nowhere. They're going to be competing now for the ACC. True, true story. Earlier this week, we just, we just hired this this kid in high school at my job, and uh, he was talking like, oh, yeah, Florida State's got no, no shot at the playoff. And I'm like, look at our schedule. Tell me what losses you see there. And he's like, LSU, Clemson, oh, yeah, you're right. Like it's one of those schedules that if you get out the first month three and one, they realistically should do really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Wake will definitely fall off with Hartman not being there. That kid was crazy good, really accurate quarterback. We all know. I just knew Preview that system so well. Like he ran that slow mesh to a perfection, and it was annoying. Yep, and eight four to state up too, and came away with some wins. And Pittsburgh, to me, I feel better about that one, but I think it is worthy of a top five toughest matchup. But they did lose some a really good amount of talent in this last NFL mm-hmm. draft. So, but they always reload usually on defense. So we'll see what they end up doing. But Florida State's offense to me is overpowering a lot of these opponents that we're looking here on the schedule. You just never know, you know, that late in the year. You got snowstorm potential. Yeah. I mean, some kind of some kind of weather that yeah, come, come, even the odds of, a little bit. Some sleet. Now, Mike likes to put guys in preparation mode, game week wise for games like this. So you know he'll have the music blasting and the crowd noise blasting, Dustin. But what do we think he's going to do? Are they going to? Is any? Is any going to freeze out the IPF? Is there have a to, chance there? They're going like to have to bring back snow. those freezer like things. Going. Remember the freezer things from fall camp last year? They're going to have to bring back the ice box and make it even <laughs> icier in there. Practice in there. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be interested to see what Mike ends up doing. Y'all didn't want to talk about North Alabama any? or you know? No, I but, I, but I do think – sorry to interrupt you, Austin. I do think it's important to note that the last time Florida State played at Pittsburgh, they ended up winning the national championship. So I would like to put mm-hmm. that out there. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was just gonna say unfortunately I didn't have any notes prepared for North Alabama. Sorry, okay. I, I, I I fell short there. Damn it. That's okay. That's all right. We'll we'll try next week. We've got like uh, six months. We're fine. Matthew Sims also mentioning here, do we still have to play the refs? Too. And that is always the case. ACC refs. That could be a top five matchup if we're being honest. The Wake Forest and NC State games were yeah. tough last year. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, maybe this will be more interesting. Who's a tougher opponent, LSU or Clemson, this upcoming season? 
On paper, probably LSU. Mm-hmm. I think mentally Clemson. I don't know if that makes sense or not. Freaking nailed it, dude. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't have said it better myself. I think Florida State's strong point going into the season is going to be offensively Florida State still bringing back a lot of talent defensively. They only lose Jamie Robinson, but shouldn't really say only. Jamie's had some had some big moments last season, but offensively against LSU's defense is going to be incredible to watch. The matchups there and talent-wise is going to be humongous where I think Florida State's offense versus Clemson's defense, and that's rare to say, I think it – it has a higher margin than what I think will be going against the LSU Tigers. I say Clemson mentally because Florida State has not beaten Clemson since the Sean McGuire game yep. in 2014. It's just a mental hurdle for them at this point that they have to get over. Yep. And- they, they, they know they could beat LSU. They did it last year. And Florida State's more talented. Granted, LSU is as well. They've had a lot of pieces to that team, which I'm sure we'll talk about a lot these next coming months. But Clemson's yeah. that hurdle for Norvell, for the team, for the program, for for the school. They've got to get over that hurdle. I completely agree. Clemson is obviously the benchmark in the ACC right now, Florida State trying to take that back from them. And just to further your point, Austin, I mean, 2021, Florida State has a fourth-quarter lead in Death Valley, ends up giving that up last year. You know, I'm sure FSU's thinking if they play better for eight to ten minutes of that football game, they beat Clemson by at least a touchdown. So, I mean, they've gotten so close over the last two years. I mean, you think back to the 2020 matchup and all the animosity after it was canceled due to the positive COVID tests and everything. You know, this is – Florida State wants to beat Clemson. You know, they're they're feeling this one pretty badly. And, and I think I mentioned it a couple weeks ago, you know, if they don't do it this year, then when is it going to happen? You know, there's no better time than – this season with the amount of experience Florida State has coming back and the transfers coming in. I mean, you know, Jaheim Bell, Gilbert Edmond, they played Clemson at South Carolina. So you've got some guys that are experienced um, facing the Tigers, and, I mean, they really want to get that monkey off their back. And last one, who's tougher, Florida or Miami, this upcoming season to you guys? Florida. (sighs) FSU hasn't won in Gainesville since – is it 17 as well? Man, how do you pick worse trash? Um, yeah, probably the Florida game is a tougher one. Worst uh, like, trash. But like I said, it's one of those, like, if the brakes fall off halfway through the season, kind of like they did with Taggart in his second season. Like, is this one of those – there's already – there's a lot of, I would say, more outside pressure on Napier, not as much inside from what we can tell. But if they start off, you know, two and four, is that administration going, uh, we need to move in a different direction? Yeah, it was 2017, Dustin. But, yeah, Miami didn't show me much of anything last year. I think that one's – they've got like a two, three-year wait there and and, and something that will be competitive if Mario Cristobal is still able to last. But definitely if Florida State's able to continue rolling too on the recruiting trail, that's going to hurt them even more. And it goes the same way for Florida, but more specifically Miami, what Mike Norvell's been able to do down there and grabbing talent, it's going to show onto the football field eventually whenever they're facing one another, just how it's going to be. That's how Florida State was able to do it back there 2000. 10 and those and those classes that they were bringing in and it showed on the field whenever they were able to come away with these rivalry wins so yeah 
I just think it comes down to this roster, the coaching staff. I mean, except for Odell, you know, they've never beaten Florida in Gainesville. So, I mean, even if they do collapse late in the season, you know, I'm sure that's still something that Florida State, I mean, just like not winning in Clemson, you want to get that off your back because the last time Florida State was there in 2021, Florida held them out of uh, bowl season with an interim head coach, obviously in a pretty embarrassing game where FSU frankly screwed itself and Jordan Travis was hampered by that uh, early shoulder injury that he suffered in the game. So, I mean, I'm sure that that's one they have circled on the schedule that they want to go prove a point at the end of the year. And really with Miami, we don't know quite what they're going to look like. New offensive coordinator and Shannon Dawson, maybe he can make those improvements to Tyler Van Dyke that everyone was expecting last season. You know, it's not outside the realm of possibilities. Yeah. Florida, the one thing for them, yeah, their quarterback situation doesn't, doesn't scare me. No, not at all. Doesn't, doesn't make them impressive to me whatsoever. So, uh, but yeah, that was a good discussion there. Let's jump into another question from our Discord. This one is from Hopeful Be From 507 asking one early breakout candidate on both sides for this upcoming season. So, both sides of the ball, a candidate for a breakout year for Florida State and Mike Norvell. Who wants to go first on that one? Dila. Go ahead. I'm just trying to. Does Kentron still count? I think I think so. I mean, we can't cheat off of seeing him in the spring camp and then him having a few flashes in the spring showcase. So I think Kentron's yeah. worthy of one. Yeah, I was just pulling the stats up real quick because I mean, only 14 catches for 283 yards last year, averaged uh, over 20 yards a catch for Florida State. But I mean, it really seems like Kentron, especially with Johnny Wilson coming back and adding in. Keon Coleman, you know, might help take his game to the next level here in 2023. I mean, a guy that really impressed during the spring started becoming more of a complete wide receiver. And then you get to see his playmaking ability with that one handed grab in the spring game and then the touchdown on, on a throw on the money from Jordan Travis. I mean, the potential is there for him to be an absolute weapon in this offense. But I mean, you've really got a three headed monster out there six foot four six foot four six foot seven i mean when you've got these guys two of them on the field together and maybe even situations where you get three of them on the field together it's going to be able to it's going to be impossible for opposing defenses to double team guys and then you add in you know jaheem bell at tight end and trey benson and toa philly and rodney hill at running back so i think having that and then along with his growth you know that that could really help kentron take a big leap this upcoming season yeah, I agree on that, and I, th- I think my other one is going to be Rodney Hill, but I don't know how much playing time he's going to see to make my breakout candidate for this season. Next season, for sure. This season, it's going to be tough to see how many carries he gets between Toa Philly and Benson, getting a lot of those carries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the I like the Kentron pick, just specifically what he's going to be able to utilize whenever Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman are also on the field at the same time, and you throw in Jaheim Bell, Trey Benson, but specifically at the wide receiver room, it's going to be an open area for him and he's going to have a lot of one-on-one potential and he's shown how physical he can get and definitely with his hands and being reliable in the red zone. That's where uh, Kentron Poitier is going to show out, I think, and he could be a breakout player for Florida state. And it's going to only excite the fan base even more going into 2024, uh, which, which is going to be fun, but 
you know, I think offensively that's definitely a really solid pick. Defensively, though, there's a lot of there's a, there's a few options because there's guys with a ton of experience coming back. But you know, one that I think could break out and could find a stride is Azure Thomas, and I'm interested to see if he's one that can break out and end up being a potential starter for Florida state in this year and get way more playing time than he did this last season. I thought that was impressive the way that he was playing last year, putting himself in some good spots as we saw him. I think that's someone that I'm keeping a close eye on after saw in the spring, nothing too wild and nothing too flashy that we saw from him. But I think this is a guy that has his head and the right way straightforward and, and is continuing to try to progress and develop and get to know his new coach position coach with coach Sertan. And that's someone that I'd like to see be a potential breakout. I, I think he's going to take a next step. It's going to be even more than what Omar Graham jr. Is going to take because Azra Thomas is going to see more playing time. And he, he's a guy that I think, is going to be a reliable player to where he could eventually be a starter in this system and the season. I was torn between AZ and, and Shaheem, and I think I'm just going to go with Shaheem because just when you look at that cornerback room, you know, obviously with Fentrell coming in and Bernardo, Jerian, some other guys coming back on that um, outside corner where AZ plays, you know, maybe – it's going to be tough for him. And like you said, he might end up becoming a starter, but he's definitely going to be competing with guys for snaps. Whereas, you know, you, you look back a position at safety and we mentioned earlier, there's not really a ton of competition right now for Akeem Dent and Shaheem Brown entering fall camp. We'll see if that potentially changes if Florida State's able to find someone on the transfer market or, you know, if another mystery prospect pops out of absolutely nowhere, you know, that'd be great about, right now but you know I really think Shaheem Brown with the increased playing time and this is a guy to me who I've talked about before I think he has the potential to be a star in that defense for Florida State it's really just going to come down to his consistency because I mean when you look at his frame and his skill set he on paper he should be able to match that role that Jamie Robinson provided at Florida State and and then I mean maybe even be a little bit better if he is able to reach that full potential throughout his college career. And, I mean, we'll start to see if he begins to blossom this upcoming season. But, I mean, he's a guy I'm going to be watching a lot because he's going to play a big role for Florida State. They they really need someone to step up in that back end. James going to be a dog, yeah. Uh, I'm going to stick on that same end of the field and go Akeem Dent. I think we all expected him to take a step forward last season and just dealt with injuries, was in the right position, didn't always make the play. You know, especially in that Oklahoma game, we, he got beat up the sideline a couple times instead of going for the hit instead of going for the ball. That's a guy that I think if Florida State's going to have real success and, and, and make a run and potentially in the postseason, he's going to be one of those guys that has to step up and break out. Our guy Stan from Facebook is saying, I want to see our QB2 room take a step with these blowout wins. If Florida State's able to wipe away some of these opponents early in games, we should see some of these backup quarterbacks come in and would like to see some progress and some development there happen because going into 2024, there is a major question mark at quarterbacks. So I think that's a pretty good point because that's where Florida State now as a team and as a program you now get to see some of the youngsters earlier in games, and that's what we're hoping to see this year. But, yeah, I, I would like to see some of these guys get take take the step. Definitely Rodemaker, I, I saw a huge step. We saw that at Louisville. That was a major, major step. But just to see him build that consistency and see what A.J. Duffy and maybe potentially Brock Glenn can do, 
But, you know, I think it's really going to be specifically Rodemaker and, you know, Florida State would like to see him get more playing time just in case when Florida State's making a long run if something were to, God forbid, happen to J-Trav. you got to have an experienced quarterback out there with playing against a first-team defense. So uh, we shall see. Uh, let's jump into another question here from the Discord. It's kind of a flip-flop here. Who is one player on each side of the ball that isn't getting the attention that they deserve? So that can be a vet, could be maybe a transfer guy that's came in that isn't being talked about a lot. Uh, you know, like I just said, a returning veteran, but this is from Dylan on Discord. I'm going I'm to start defensively with a name Dilu just mentioned, Jerry and Jones. I think he was quietly really good last season. Well, not really good, but quietly good last season. And as he gets more confident, may, there may be a move to safety in his future, but if he sticks at corner and continues to progress like he did last season, that's a pretty decent room. Mm-hmm. I like that one. And for I was thinking, uh, <clears throat> you know, there's so many guys along that interior defensive line, someone who has been around really forever and kind of football positions that maybe you just don't really think about on the forefront of your mind. Dennis Briggs, a guy who whenever he's in always – is making a solid impact, even it's even if it's not necessarily on the stat sheet. Um, he does things out there that impact winning up front for Florida State. And you know, even though you've got Fabian Lovett and Braden Fisk and Joshua Farmer and um, Jack Darrell Jackson and even even Malcolm Ray, if he if he's able to come back, Daniel Lyons, uh, so many bodies on that interior. I still think Dennis Briggs is going to be someone primed to play a role because I mean he's someone that this prove that you can rely on them over the years. All right. I like that. I'm going to stay in the interior defensive line and this is a transfer coming in and yeah, it was talked about quite a bit, but wasn't fully available during the spring, but just because I think he's going to make an impact and maybe not a whole lot of chatter about him. I think Daryl Jackson's getting a little bit more of Fabian love. I'm going to go Braden Fisk. I think he's one that's going to be, that, that should be talked about a lot more. And if people go back, we actually got to watch some film, uh, the other night I did that with Brian Stork and just going off of what he was telling me. And I listened to him most certainly quite a bit and getting his analysis. He's extremely excited about Braden Fisk. He thinks that he's going to change a lot of things for what Florida state's going to be able to do to provide pressure. And I can't imagine lining him up against Fabo. I, I really can't. I, I really don't know what offensive lineman and the interior, just looking at the ACC, uh, even LSU, like, what they're going to be able to do to combat that. But that's the that's the emphasis. That's what Braden Fisk is able to bring to this defensive line. And I think it's going to be brutal for some of these offensive lines. I really do. And, you know, Fabo out there, and I'm sorry, but Robert Cooper, that that didn't scare me if I was an offensive coordinator. That, that that's, it doesn't scare me. It, it definitely can plug up a, an offensive lineman too. But for Brandon Fisk, he, he's in there to disrupt. And also, Fabian Lovett is the same way. He's in there to disrupt. And definitely when you've got guys on the outside, like Pat Payne, like Jared Verse, it, it, it creates a lot of concern for an offensive game plan. So I, I think Braden Fisk needs to be talked about a lot more, and there should be more attention towards him. It, to your point, Robert Cooper is more of a block eater. Fisk is more of a block mover. He's just, he's just going to get off the blocks and, and disrupt plays himself. And that's something – you know, Florida State was kind of missing last season, especially when Lava went down in the middle of the season in those games at NC State. You needed that interior presence when they're just getting ran on. Fisk is going to be able to help with that, certainly. 
and Cooper clearly wasn't healthy last yeah. year, undergoing yeah. surgery after the season. Still don't believe he's fully uh, recovered at this point. So, I mean, that certainly didn't help. But it seems like Braden Fisk, especially with the mentality that he's bringing, you know, already making an impact on that defensive line without even really doing much this spring. Be exciting to see once they actually uh, suit up for games during the fall. But I guess going over to the offensive side of the ball, I mean, there's really – there's a couple guys that jump off the page to me immediately. I mean, you know, I think of maybe a C.J. Campbell or even the wide receivers. You know, if he's able to stay healthy, I think Darion Williamson could be, you know, a potential impact player before to stay. But I'm going to stick uh, – I'm going to go with the tight ends. I'm going to go over to Marquise and Douglas. Because, oh, you uh, took it from me. <laughs> Jaheim Bell and Kyle Morlock, you know, they're getting all the all the news this spring, the newcomers coming in to revitalize Florida State's tight end room. But, I mean, don't forget what Marquise and Douglas was able to do last year for Florida State as, as a blocker and then also improving as a receiver throughout the year, catching that touchdown um, in the cheese of bowl against Oklahoma to put Florida State up late before Ryan Fitzgerald eventually ended up icing things. I mean, this is a guy who's made some real strides throughout his career, was set back by – a heart ailment whenever he got back to Florida State and, you know, has been working himself into better and better shape ever since. And, you know, just because you've got a Belden Morlock coming in, I, I don't think that's any reason to discount the role that Marquison is going to end up playing just because Florida State, I mean, they love using those tight ends in multiple ways. You know, we're going to see some stuff where you've got two, maybe even three guys on the field at one time. And, you know, Douglas is versatile, even though he's a, a bigger guy. What about a guy that was a game one starter last season, Bless Harris? Everyone completely forgot about him because of his injury in the Duquesne game. I think he's still going to be a starter on this on this team going forward. And you know, if if he's a starter on this team, that means he's going to be pretty damn good because there's a lot of talent on the on this offensive line, a lot of depth, like we talked about last week. People forget about him. I think a guy that can play inside or out. It's what Florida State left or right too. I mean, he, yeah. he was spending some time at left tackle. During the spring, with with Robert Scott out, that's one I'm interested to see um, as he works his way back into things. And you know, when Scott returns in the fall, is he going to be competing for that job at left tackle? Is he going to be able to compete with Byers over on that right side? But I do agree, Bless Harris, somewhere on that offensive line, he, he's definitely got a role. Yeah, and maybe someone that isn't getting it was going to be Marquise and Douglas for me, but my number two is going to be uh, Mo Marie Smith. And if he's able to continue to compete and hold on to that job against Casey Roddick, which I do think he will, um, I think Marie Smith is highly, highly not talked about enough. Just the way that he's been able to stay reliable. And after the injury we saw Dustin and Jacksonville and how that didn't look good at all and him to be able to come back and be able to play last season, I think shows a lot of the testament that he brings to this team. And this guy Holds his ground, definitely undersized compared to other centers in college football. But that's where it makes it more impressive for me. That's where I'm like, God damn, okay, Marie Smith, you're able to hold what is going against you against some of these defensive linemen. I think I think it's impressive, and he's just not talked about enough and deserves a lot more attention than he does. He's more of a quiet player. See him where you know where Micah Pittman was doing his vlogs. He's not about the attention and stuff. It's pretty hilarious. And he's just strictly there to be a leader, and he leads that room of a room that has grown immensely since his arrival. And he's played a major impact overall in the offense and strictly building chemistry 
with Jordan Travis. Dustin, you and I have seen a lot of second-team centers go in there, and it looked atrocious. Like, it's looked bad. It's looked very bad. If you guys have been in our Discord, you know, and probably on here the Spirit, too, we've talked about it. It ain't so pretty. And Florida State still got to do some more work behind Marie Smith and building some depth at the center position because, God forbid, if he were to go down, I think Florida State's in some pretty interesting trouble just because of not the experience and not the chemistry built with J-Trap. But I think Marie Smith is someone that deserves a lot more attention and for a big – he's due for a big season ahead. He's been underrated throughout his career, you know, ever since the first time he stepped onto the field and – 2018 and I mean that's just kind of how Marie Smith does it you know like you said a quiet guy and just kind of toils away and does his work and then I mean now you look a couple of years later and he's been the guy whenever Jordan Travis is out there you know that's the most su successful center and quarterback combination that Florida State's been able to find over the past couple of years I mean even this spring bringing in a guy like Casey Roddick who can kind of flip-flop between that guard and center spot there was a stark difference whenever you had one of those two guys in the lineup and snapping the football. I think at this point, you know, Marie Smith has has that locked down. It would take something pretty significant for Roddick or, you know, even Darius Washington, who was kind of cross-trained all over that offensive line at the tackle spots, at guard, at center. It'll take something significant. I mean, it'll take an injury, really, to get Marie Smith out of the lineup. I think that's just – that's how valuable – He's uh, made himself to Florida State in the offensive line. That's going to wrap up our football side of questions there. We'll most likely do quite a bit of more. Which of one more definitely getting closer. Which one? What do what you game, want? What game is a not obvious trap game? So we I feel like we kind of talked. Favorite team on the schedule. Uh, okay. You're going to go Southern Miss. Oh, Damn yeah. Damn it. Damn oh, it. Yeah. That's where I was going. So, biggest non-obvious trap game for the Florida State Seminoles going into 2023. Who would that be and why? Southern Miss. They got Frank Gore Jr., a 5'8 bowling ball, who's <laughs> in his career at three seasons has 2,800 rushing yards. Yeah, or almost 2,900 rushing yards, 16 touchdowns, as well as almost 500 receiving yards out of the backfield. It's I I know it's probably not going to be close. At least we all hope it's not. But it's one of those where you look at it and go, mm. especially coming off what's going to be a really physical LSU game, where guys are going to be worn down, they're going to be tired, they're going to be overlooking it a little bit. It it's not obvious, but it's kind of obvious in the same vein. It's a different year. It's a different team. It's a different schedule. Let me just paint this picture for you guys in your minds. Last time that Florida State played against a Brian Kelly coach team in prime time on a Labor Day weekend to start the season and then played a team six days later who happened to be Jacksonville State, didn't go so well. So, I mean, the reason that I pull this one up is mainly because, like Austin said, you're going to have a really emotional and physical contest against LSU. You know, depending on how that goes, you know, say you lose in a heartbreak like it happened in 2021. Or, I mean, even if you have an emotional victory – in that one six days later you've got to play a sneakily solid opponent um in a different city i know you're going to be back at home in tallahassee obviously but just this just that six day rest mark you know that's proven to be a problem for teams in the past and then like austin said when you look over here at frank gore jr who 
in his last game had 21 carries for 329 yards and two touchdowns, set the FBS bowl record for rushing yards in a postseason game. I don't want to say it strikes fear into my heart, but I mean, it definitely catches my attention and, and has me on notice entering the season. And then especially when you couple it with the rest of that September, you know, going to start off against LSU, then you'll go here to Southern Miss. And then after that, Florida State's got back-to-back road games to end the month against uh, Boston College and Clemson. So, I mean, you look at this game coming right after LSU, and then you're going on the road for two straight weeks after that. It's a possibility that the team potentially overlooks this when I'm not saying they will. Um, but, you know, it's just something to note uh, ahead of the season. Yeah, Frank Gore Jr. averaged 20 touches per game last season between rushing attempts and receptions. I wouldn't be surprised to see that around 25, 28 this season because he's he's too dynamic. Disagree with us. Southern Miss. <laughs> I don't I'm see NC sure State Southern on here. Miss has beat FSU in Tallahassee before. And that was when they had another name you might remember, Brett Brett Favre. And now they've got Frank Gore Jr., <laughs> which is also a notable <laughs> name. So, Uh-huh. Yeah, I see what we're going to be building our storylines on going into this. Got to do something, right? Yeah, we need, it's, it's, it's the end of May. We need something to get us excited. That's right. Now, I'm, I'm getting chills right now thinking of it. I'm excited. And it's a, it's a home opener. Should be a sold-out one, definitely, if Florida it's, State takes care of business in Orlando. It's the only game in Tallahassee all September. So you're saying I should definitely come up to this one then. I should travel up. I don't think I have any duties for – the Bucks that weekend, I should come up for that season opener and see Frank Gore Jr. compete against Florida State's defense. Is that what you're saying? Might as well. You might, you might see Frank Gore Sr. too. Maybe he'll come watch. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe I can get his autograph or something, potentially. <laughs> I would kill to have that. Unprofessional as a media member, but I mean, I, no. I, I promise God, I don't, I don't really want it. I'm <laughs> just making up some things. Yeah, the Buccaneers play their week one at Minnesota, so nonetheless, I will be up there. So I can't wait. I'm getting, like I said, I'm sweating and getting the chills thinking about it. I got the goosebumps. So looking forward to it. That's what we do it here. The spirit getting you guided and excited for Florida State versus Southern Miss. Now, to get you even more excited, let's talk uh, some Florida State basketball. Come on. Uh, get your hands together here. We've got some Florida State basketball questions here in May. We don't forget. Uh, real quick, though, VZ, uh, we're going to start off with this. Would Keon Coleman be an effective, an effective player for Lennon Hamilton if he played basketball for them? And this is from Dylan on Discord. No, because he's not playing. He's stopped playing for Michigan State in January. They 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 made an announcement that he will not be playing basketball, and it's not going to happen here. Damn. It's not worth talking about. So not happening for the Keon Coleman FSU basketball theorists. You'd be surprised. I've had people ask me. It's like the fifth time I've been asked. Why are you so sassy? You must not like that Dylan guy. <laughs> Tired of being asked a question is what it is. <laughs> I'll give you I'll give you a better one here. There's actually two in this one. This one's from Destin or Destin Hill Truther on on Discord. <laughs> that was true. Destin Hill Truther on Discord. And your name is also Dustin. So that was kind of a tricky one. But what's your way too early projection of FSU starting five? Also, how much better can this team be 
Austin after what we saw last year? Let's let's start with the second one. Okay. Um, God, you'd hope it's not worse. <laughs> I fell off a cliff last season. You'd hope it's not worse. Um, I think they're about a 500 ACC team. You know, if they take care of business in non-conference, they're 500 in the ACC. I think that's kind of the ceiling. We'll see what ends up happening. Um, as far as the first question, if Primo Spears gets his waiver, um, I imagine it's going to be him starting at the one, Darren Green Jr. starting at the two, Cameron Fletcher, if he's healthy and ready for the season, I think he's going to start at the three, Baba Miller at the four, and Jalen Ganey at the five. You could see Jalen Worley pop in there. You could see – trying to think some other other alignments. You can may, I've, I've heard some talk of Cameron Corrin starting at the four, but I think if, if he's your only backup big, you're not going to start him as well. You're not going to start him and Ganey. And Ganey's too good defensively to, to keep him off the floor. So that's where I'll lean right now. I'm looking forward to it. Every time you get me a little excited here for FSU basketball making its return. I told you I've turned my page. I'm ready. I'm excited. So then that's all the that's all the basketball Discord yeah. questions we had. So short and sweet. Short and it's all sweet. we need, really. It's all we need. Yeah, that is. Uh, you guys got anything going on for the rest of the week, uh, <laughs> Dustin? I know we've got some recruiting coming up soon, so then we'll have some recruiting stuff to talk about which will help us burn some time but i know there's some recruiting official visits happening building a list there's just nothing better than a good recruiting checking list. it twice yeah i'm seeing a lot of uh recruits put out their intentions on social media you know that they're going to take a official visit to florida state a lot of them looks like getting racked up in june especially that last weekend of the month, I mean, it could be particularly crazy right now with the amount of guys coming in. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting. Uh, Florida State, they did the same kind of thing last year, had a bunch of guys coming in June for official visits that ended up making uh, commitments prior to their senior seasons. I think that's the same thing that you're going to see this time around. You know, Florida State really loading up, bringing in a lot of talent, four-star, five-star prospects, a lot of uh, top 250 type of guys that are going to be deciding before the season and, you know, especially with the priority on getting the last visit in that last weekend of June, which it looks like it could be massive with the amount of guys coming into FSU. Um, that, that could set them up for some serious momentum. I mean, you've already got a, a pretty good recruiting class in hand already and just looking to add to that, still looking, you know, for like your first offensive line commit and some things like that. You know, maybe you get that this summer with a Jason Zandamella or Jonathan Daniels and Charles Lester is going to be coming for his official visit next month. Will he make things officially public for Florida State commitment-wise after that trip? Uh, it'll There's going to be a lot of stuff to monitor over the next couple of weeks that could really shape how this Tribe 24 class is going to go as, as we get close to the fall. You've been a close eye on that and recruiting. Make sure you guys are in our Discord. Appreciate everybody hanging out with us this week. Before you leave, would appreciate if you also hit that like button. It goes a long way and get some more FSU fans in here. Hope everybody's enjoying being out of school, enjoying going into the summer. We'll have a ton of coverage continuing over there at nolgameday.com and along with Hear the Spear. As always, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. Real quick before we leave, Dustin, you think this – Celtic team is going to come back? If I had to bet money on it, I'd say no. Marcus Smart I'm said sorry. don't let him get one, and they got one. Yep. Just saying. Right. I'm, I'm sorry. Dustin well, tweet about it, too. 
we'll see. I mean, this time next week we'll know because uh, if they if they do somehow bring it all the way back to seven, game seven will be uh, next Monday. So by the time we get back here, we'll see if this flag on my back wall is still you know intact or if it's been burned. <laughs> oh, jeez. Damn. Damn, damn, damn. Well, that's going to do it for us. Appreciate everybody. Y'all have a great rest of y'all's week, and we will talk to you guys next Wednesday at 7 p.m. Peace.